Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello. I'm gonna read the intro and then we'll dive right in, so. Just gonna get ready to read it. Cool. Hello everyone, I'm Ava Hoffman and this is Outside the Lines, a LineWriter podcast where I interview LineWriter creators and talk to them about the artistry behind their tracks. Gavin Rue, 538, first started developing his boundary-breaking and highly symbolic style in LineWriter since 2017, and he first started asking his friend Arlen to post his tracks to their YouTube channel. Since then, Gavin has developed his own independent body of work, which uses LineWriter as a medium for self-expression, creating a deeply personal landscape of psychological metaphors with which he has explored politics, identity, religion, and family. Equal parts cryptic and confrontational, Gavin's LineWriter work takes each part of LineWriter and asks, how can I make this say something meaningful? And each time he asks, he manages to make LineWriter even more special and enriching for all of us. Today, I'll be interviewing Gavin about A Rush of Blood to the Head, an hour-long behemoth of a track which was released late last year. A Rush of Blood to the Head is a complex, sprawling masterpiece which uses the Coldplay album of the same name as a lens to chart Gavin's attempts to understand himself and his place in the world around him. It's a powerful and thoughtful piece of art which features Gavin at his angriest and most passionate. And shockingly, despite its length, A Rush of Blood to the Head almost never runs out of new and surprising ideas. Unfortunately, because of copyright issues, this full-length album track is criminally underwatched. I would highly recommend you find it on Gavin's YouTube channel and watch it for yourself. Thank you for joining me, Gavin. Thank you for letting me exist in the interview world. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. For our first question, in your own words, describe a rush of blood to the head. It's definitely a lot. (laughs) It's a 54-minute linewriter film where it sinks to the entire Coldplay album, A Rush of Blood to the Head. What were you thinking about when you started it? Well, before starting it, even before starting the Scientist Club, which I did before, I always thought it would be cool to have my own linewriter film, mostly because, like, only one person has done this. And this person I admire a lot, so it would be cool if I did that too. Mm-hmm. And wasn't like making a film to like discover my own feelings, and like expressing myself. I just thought it would be cool to have my own Myanmar film. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was all the way back in like 2018. But like with that mindset, it obviously never was going to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like. It would be cool, but there's a high chance that this isn't happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. At first, I wanted to sync Linewright to the entirety of the album Blurry Face by 21 Pilots. <laughs> right? <laughs> Back in like 2018. I was even like 10 or 20 seconds in <laughs> when I just stopped due to like obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. How did it go from sort of being this thing like, oh, it would be sort of cool to something that you were really sort of sat down and you started working on? Well, you might have noticed that in 2018, there were like lots of tracks that were uploaded onto my channel. But then 2019 and afterwards until like 2021, there were like very little tracks. In 2018, one of my main goals when making tracks is trying to get into Rabbit Squirrel's top 10. <laughs> Mostly because I idolize them and love artists that associate with them, like Banky, who used to be known as OTDE, and a few artists, but mostly these two. <laughs> so I like try to think what tracks would they like? <laughs> what tracks would Rabbit and Banky like? <laughs> so like, I tried doing those types of tracks because it would be cool to be in the top 10. And also, I think I had like this tiny bit of guilt that there's a chance I might have been the one to ruin the old Line Rider artist server. But because I was talking about stuff and uploading chat that's not about an artistic perspective. Back then, I just thought art is about drawings, the scenery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just didn't understand that 
artists like expressing yourself like having like a narrative like a theme and it's not just scenery and like soon after i joined the old library artist server like rabbit announced that it's shutting down and i just thought was i the one who made rabbit shut down and i had this like bit of guilt mm-hmm. and it's also like I knew about Ravage's tracks for so many years, like, ever since I was a child. So, like, holy crap, I'm talking to this person. Whoa, that's so cool. And I literally say that I called him my idol back in 2018. Like, yeah, I definitely know that right now that it's very uncomfortable to call somebody their idol. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, yeah, I try to, like, replicate their style mainly and like a bunch of my movement and stuff and also in 2018 i was in the like the community back then where it's like a lot of manuscript tracks and like when i started uploading tracks i asked for like criticisms i'd say like criticism is appreciated and like all that and like people like him man do give me criticism and i do appreciate that still to this day but like it is very quirk heavy Mm-hmm. A lot of my tracks are like rabbit style, like less artistic, more childish, and incorporates more quirk, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. I learned a lot about like how to move boss back in 2018. Even even before I joined Kumi, I learned how to do a cranial <laughs> just by watching tutorials from Apple. So yeah, the top 10, that was like one of my main goals when making tracks and like Lo and behold, somehow, I got in the top 10 of 2018. (laughs) Ninth place was Kitchen Sink. (laughs) I'm like, hooray, I accomplished that goal. Now what? Mm. So yeah, afterwards, I pretty much lost a lot of motivation to, like, work on tracks. (laughs) Like, don't get me wrong, I had, like bunch of ideas on songs that I could seek Weinberg to, but like, I just didn't do the execution of making the track. So like, went from like a dozen uploads in 2018 to like, only like a few uploads, with like laws and not being that grand or serious or all that. I guess in like 2019, I made Innuendo with Looking back, the reason why I made it is because, like, I wanted to make a track that everyone would like. Because back in, like, 2018, I, like, got a lot of, like, criticisms, like, few of my tracks, like, completely flat sled. <laughs> mm. Like, it's too rapid. Right, right. Or, like, it's just plain old boring. <laughs> mm. And, like, the same old message, I guess. Those are one of the few criticisms I remember. And also, Argon released Bohemian Rhapsody in the beginning of 2019, I believe. And, like, that got a whole ton of views. <laughs> so, like, I was like, hey, it would be cool if, like, I like a few of those views, too, with another Queen song. I knew it won't be as big as Bohemian Rhapsody because the song Innuendo isn't that big itself. But, like, it would be cool. <laughs> I guess a lot of people did like Innuendo, but like, I definitely did get in top 10 in 2019. And then 2020 happened, COVID-19 hit. <laughs> right. And like, I had lots of time to be at home by myself, learning about things, learning about the outside world, learning about me, and like, a lot of things. And like, 2020 was also when I started the scientist collab on the other server. Mm-hmm. I started the scientist collab because I only remember like one track before the collab started, like that was in reverse, which was Apple's here. And I saw that feel like, wow, seeing stuff in reverse is kind of cool to look at. I would love to do that. And like the music video for the scientist is also in reverse so like i can use that song Mm. but unfortunately i didn't have a lot of ideas on what cool things i can do in reverse so like i just thought 
hey, it would be cool if it was a collab. Mm-hmm. So, like, I suggested it in the collab server, and the collab started. And I came up with that little story at the very end of the collab with the two people, the couple. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, I've been listening to the album of Russia Blooded Head a lot. And it reached a point where I made my own fan base concept story. For the album, even though I'm pretty sure didn't have a concept to begin with. And I came up with the concept like the toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I like during the collab process coming up with like ideas for a lot of the other songs the album is on. Like the bombastic part one and like the desert scenery in part six. They like and they come up with these ideas while the scientists was going on. Oh, and fun fact, I came up with a cave idea for part 11 back in 2018. Oh. Yeah, back in 2018, I like, wanted to like sink one right to Amsterdam, and I had the cave idea, but I didn't do it because I didn't want to talk about a topic that's heavy as suicide. Mm-hmm. I had these graphic ideas. It wasn't all that fleshed out. Like, I didn't have the music visualizer idea at the very end. So, like, I pretty much shelved that until 2020. Anyways, I keep on getting these ideas. And I think somewhere during that point, I somehow, like, the concept story I made up in my own head started forming to, like, am I coming up with a film idea? Or, like, a liner film? I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, keep on getting more ideas. I even like did like five seconds of like part one back in like the middle of 2020, even though I scrapped that because it didn't look that good. And like I was eventually like, okay, I want I want to start this at the start of 2021, and have my goal be to have it uploaded before 2021 ends. And looking back, it's kind of mind-blowing that I somehow got it uploaded right before 2021 ends. Although I didn't start it at the beginning of 2021, I started it at late November of 2020. But, like, still, <laughs> the fact that I got done before my own little deadline is just baffling. <laughs> yeah, and you also worked on it completely in secret, right? That I did, <laughs> although I did throw out, like, a few hints, like, near the end of finishing my film, I asked on the class server if I can, like, re-upload the scientists with the new usernames, and I got the go-ahead from Argon. Well, do they know that I'm asking because they're going to be a part of my film. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. And I also, when the... A live collab first started. I guess people outside of the collapser don't know what that is, but like I was saying, like the reason I've been working on the a live collab is because I'm working on my own project and stuff. <laughs> Little do they know. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I like started becoming more in touch with my own feelings. Like I think my first track that I released that actually comes from my own feeling was the track level of concern back in 2020 was it's about COVID-19 and like saying like hey wear a mask stay safe stay home and I really want people to like stay home <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much how a rush blood had started I think actually that leads really well into another question I had you just charted out the story of oh I want to do this thing because it'd be cool or I want to impress people around me right and then in the story you told, it started to become more about expressing yourself and you started making tracks for yourself, right? Yeah. And I think that's really clear in a rush of blood to the head. You said at first you just viewed art as like, it's just drawings, it's just scenery. So how did you go from that to start using scenery as a form of personal expression? Hmm. Um, I think I want to talk about my track, Is Is It, mm. because I think it's the first track where I, like, talk about my own actual feelings on things. Like, 
an abstract depiction like how I made the tracks back then and like how I view them now and why I made those tracks. You can see in like in the lyrics where I've written now, like, can't you see I'm trying? I don't even like it. Mm. I have a tendency of trying to subvert tropes of line writer and like is it I try to do like a lot of like trope subversion. Like the laziest lyric video, the laziest quirk you ever seen, and like the laziest manuals. I even like try to make fun of the animated lyrics at the end of Is Is It. I guess I just started like saying like in This Is It. The stuff that I did back in the past, I'm not doing that sort of stuff anymore. I'm, I'm trying to move in some sort of new direction. Mm-hmm. And I made that while I was working on my film as like some sort of side project, hinting at like what you could expect for like my tracks in the future. Like, I also released Prospects, March, Poppy Fields, and like the first minute is rushed, and there are like ideas that weren't that well executed, but like comes from my own feelings ain't the best but i am glad that i made it and released it anyways back to my film i think the first instance of actually going into my own real feelings was in part three which would be obvious (laughs) i even literally put like this is where it really starts (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) and then behold my mindscape And there's, like, lots of drawings that I did while making the movement and stuff that I added later. Mm-hmm. Because I was afraid that it was going to lag when I worked on it more. But fortunately, it didn't, especially since I got a new laptop during the making of the film. Right. And, like, I intentionally, like, tried to talk about stuff about the line mark community, about why would people make tracks? Is it for, like attention for like discovering them so like trying to fit in mm. like all these stuff like spin spin switch manual <laughs> right <laughs> that moment's interesting because it sounds like some of the advice you get sometimes from sort of a manual quirk perspective and you're thinking about community and all this yeah and what comes after part three the scientist mm-hmm and during, like, the process of the scientist collab, I was kind of disappointed in, like, the other collaborators. So, like, mm. I said, like, try to, like, come up with, like, cool ways to show things that looks cool in reverse. Mm. I'm like, no, they just kept on doing, like, manu quirk and stuff. <laughs> right. And that doesn't look cool just because it was reverse. There's nothing, like, mind-bending about it. <laughs> like... Uh, come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I did stop being like disappointed the collaborators after like thinking about the lyrics and how it actually like fits with disappointment and stuff. Like nobody said it was easy and all that. <laughs> right. And like the song is literally called The Scientist. And like thinking about like how like people like usually think about like techniques and like the science. I guess when I focus on design, it's changed from, like, this point to, like, trying to work off feelings, but you don't know how. Mm. So the fact that it came after, like, part three was all, like, it's somewhat coincidental, but it works so well. So, like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> you sort of reappropriated this kind of disappointment collab and sort of made it about that disappointment. I think maybe the scientist and you also talked about part three is actually a good way to sort of get into a question about politics and your line writer work because for me a rush of blood to the head remains sort of your most like explicitly political and confrontational track in one of those pieces of text that fly past bosch in part three we see the phrase gavin rue 538 versus society right yeah (laughs) And throughout the track, A Rush of Blood to the Head takes a stand against violence, war, hate, and toxic masculinity. What is the role of politics and the political in your tracks? Well, the reason why I wrote Kevin 5-3 versus Society is because 
around that time. If you read my Sun Showers review, I did talk about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. From September 2021 to December 2021, I started college at Brigham Young University, Idaho, also known as BYUI. I was born Mormon. I was part of that church and like, and over time, my beliefs in the church started to like dwindle more and more as I like discover more about the world and like my own values and stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have any faith in church. I just was going through the motions of like being like the best Mormon you can be so you can like get back to the highest heaven, I guess. But like, I've learned more about like stuff like LGBTQ issues and like talking to people more like me and people like Arlen. I know is definitely queer. Just researching these things about like sexism in the world, racism, and learning more and more about my own church history. For example, before 1978, black people weren't allowed to get the priesthood. It's a deeply racist history of the Mormon church. Yeah, and I still think the church is sexist to this day, and it's definitely like queer phobic. Mm hmm. Only men can, like, be an apostle, a prophet, or, like, a general authority. People like the quote-unquote prophet, they get paid. The women don't. Right. None of them do. But anyways, back to, like, Gavin Rufus with Society and why I made it. My face is, like, in this complete limbo, I guess. Like, I don't know if I believe in the church or not. One time I even told my mom that there's a big chance I might leave the church in the future, like before I left for BYUI. Mm. And like during those few months in the first semester, I like, I was living with these roommates who are like some of the most conservative, toxic, masculine people I've met. A lot of people I know online would hate living there and just hate going to BYUI in general. But yeah, just being in this environment, being the only person, even mildly left-leaning, like, just, uh, it's not safe. And like, I just got this anger towards them. I just feel like I'm just me against them. That's why I wrote Chapter 5 for person Society, because I just had this anger. It's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, during those three months, I learned stuff that I'd never learned about before. Like, the church never told these things to members. Mm. And pretty much all the process of this film, just, like, having these questions about, like, Christianity, religion, like, I show these symbols of, like, the pride flag, the transgender symbol, and, like, anti-gun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter symbol, even plurality. I even wrote down the words gender, sexuality, and these words God, science, both. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Questions like if God created everything, who created God? And then afterwards, should I worry? Stop. And like, I did even like a little tiny hidden thing in the last part of theirs where Bosch is offset. God give me style and give me grace. As the dividing line strokes, like the two lines of verge, like you can see that the dividing line is segmented. I guess I want to like try to symbolize is the grace even real? I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did like that store stuff a lot in part three and like going next to part 10 and stuff that symbolize toxic masculinity and like. I made part in, like, during those three months, the first semester of BYUI. Mm. It's dark. <laughs> part 10 is very dark. I mean, also part 11, but, like, part 10 is just angrily dark, while part 11 just depressedly dark. <laughs> right. But, like, I guess I, like, sort of hint at it, like, Danny in part 8. But, I like, 
try to bring back the couple that were featured in part four the scientists and like mm-hmm. try to expand upon their story but like i mean like hey the man in this relationship it's not okay <laughs> <laughs> right i guess it comes from me like being a guy i guess <laughs> and like experiencing toxic masculinity from others and like I even wrote a paper during the first mess about like how the word man up is very toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like the phrase man up. But yeah, I wasn't really thinking about it. Like, all right, this part about toxic magic you know, just came out unintentionally, like with war and violence and like these fires. And it reached the point at the end of part 10 where we see like this man on the bridge. With that rope, which you see in part four, that was on the tree, which was holding the tire swing. Mm-hmm. Thinking about, like, suicide. Not trying to, like, talk about your own feelings and, like, get help. <laughs> mm. Just thinking that it did all these bad things. Like, you think that the only way you can, like, Forgive others and yourself and just, like, take your own life. Mm. And, like, I've never been suicidal myself. I just think about a lot of these things and, like, doing a lot of research about why people kill themselves and, like, how they're, like, feeling and, like, their actions before taking their own life. And... Toxic masculinity is definitely a huge factor in, like, suicide rates of men, right? Yeah. There's sort of a culture of not reaching out for help. You know, violent suicide is at a higher rate in men. Yeah, I tried to show that. And, like, I wasn't trying to say, like, suicide happens towards men because of toxic masculinity. I'm just, like... Right. I just like showing the consequences of toxic masculinity towards yourself and others. And I guess I could show the news in at least a few more frames instead of like a blink and you'll miss it moment. But like, I don't know. (laughs) Still wasn't that comfortable talking about suicide. At least until no surprises. (laughs) This might be a good jump into this. Next question. A Russia's Bullet to the Head explores several tough and emotionally uncomfortable themes, as we've been talking about, like abusive and violent thinking, suicidal thoughts, and just general despair, as you've sort of highlighted. Frequently, you use your line writer tracks as spaces for you to explore some of your own darkest emotions or experiences, like in Midnight and in No Surprises, right? Yeah. (laughs) And something that always is really striking to me about these tracks is the way that you use Bosch's movement to explore a kind of metaphorical emotional space. There's the struggling claustrophobic movement in Amsterdam, while At the Door, which also is exploring these similar sorts of emotions, its movement is a lot more frantic and trying to escape. It's a lot more quirky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot more quirk in it. What is your approach to movement in Line Rider, and how does that relate to the way you explore emotion in your tracks? Well, I think it comes back to like how like Rabbit Squirrel influenced my movement a lot. You can see in like tracks like This Will Destroy You and stuff like Formula Ruby Falls. A lot of it is purely movement, and when there are results, are like very minimalist. And just love seeing how, like, Boss expresses himself by the movement, not, like, stuff like visuals, lyrics, and all that. Even though I use them, too, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, even way back then, in 2018, when I wasn't talking about my own feelings, I was, like, trying to, like, express the meaning of the lyrics and the movements of, like, tracks like Taxi Cab and Carry On. Mm-hmm. And I still do this today. Like, I mean, I've learned how to, like, control Bosch's movement. Learn how to do, like, flings, cranials, tempo and cannon singularities early on. So I pretty much know how to, like, control Bosch. I mean, of course, not to the point of, like, giga quirk, but, like, 
still enough for me to like know how to do movements that I want to showcase. Mm-hmm. And like when you look at Boss when doing like a lot of movement, like <laughs> this could sound weird, but I sort of brought this up in my shit post called "The Suffering of Boss." <laughs> <laughs> like Boss has suffered through a lot with splings <laughs> and singularities, and like. Two feature films, which is now three. And of course, I ended off with like that Dami Dane meme because, you know, I was making shit post, but like, if Boss was actually alive, how would they feel? Then, mm. like, what could go on in their minds when they're like doing these weird movements? Mm. And as I like discover more about myself, I wanted to like put all my own feelings and like my own struggles. And, like, his press, like, Bosch is struggling. Mm. It's this interesting moment of empathy where you're looking at Bosch and you're thinking, how would they feel, right? Yeah. And then you're taking that and putting your own emotions into it. Yeah. I guess I try to focus more on Bosch's movement in my later tracks, especially stuff like At the Door, Midnight. And I guess that one part in No Surprises where there's, like, a bunch of, like, quirky movement happening mm. in this dark space where it's just Bosch in the dark, but Bosch is, like, flailing around. Right, yeah. Cramules, singularities, while this soothing song is happening. Right. It's just interesting how, like, most of it just flashed that into just this one part that's just, like, a lot of quirk lines that are just hidden. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Instead of about the lines, it's about Bosch's body. Yeah. Um, at the start of this question, you mentioned Bevabel and Bevabel's movement techniques and how they've really influenced you. Yeah. In many ways, a rush of blood to the head feels like a thoughtful revisiting or remixing of Rabid Squirrels, This Will Destroy You, and many of the sinking techniques that Rabid pioneered. A rush of blood to the head sort of pulls its favorite things from This Will Destroy You, reinterprets them, and then adds your own creative expansions and flourishes on top. You sort of sprinkle a little Gavin on, right? (laughs) (laughs) And the result is a track which feels like it's in a a thoughtful dialogue with This Will Destroy You, looking back at the past while trying to piece together a future. Yeah. And using Linewriter as a kind of commentary on Linewriter is really common in your work. We've talked about Is This It earlier. Is This It is doing a similar thing where it's talking about your emotions and it's talking about line writer or something like old friends. These function as reflections on your relationship to the line writer community. How did This Will Destroy You and the line writer community as a whole influence a rush of blood to the head? And what do you think is the value in using line writer to comment on line writer itself? I mean, you can obviously tell that This Will Destroy is a huge inspiration. <laughs> I mean, it's a film. And also, like, I took a few things out of it, too. Like, This Will Destroy is, like, virtually all of it is flat slid. I tried to do part one as mostly flat slid, with, like, a few singularities. I guess I want to, like, show, like, you can be, like, dramatic and bombastic with just flat slid. Mm-hmm. I tried to like make only one manual, and that was when the place showed up. Mm. When I first did, I just mostly wanted like do a tiny bit for showing up how like part two is mostly manuals. Mm. It is interesting to like look back and like see how like Bosch's first manual was when the place first showed up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, after part one, I did a lot of manuals. <laughs> Yeah, it sort of steadily gets more complex until The Scientist when you have full-on quirk. A lot of things get complex. There's, like, things happening. And I guess the reason why a lot of things happen is how I gathered up those ideas that I talked about earlier, like, coming up with, like, this idea and that idea, like, trying to combine them together. It does result in, like, going from this idea to the next. But, like, it's definitely, like, just be me, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I'm gonna bring up Jade's roundup review of the film because I feel like Jade's review is the one that like captured what a rush of blood to the head wasn't all about. She basically summarized it as like it's about me, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. Like, sure, there's like a concept of the couple and all these symbols and stuff in the animation. Like, all this all over to play stuff. You can, like, summarize in just, like, a rush of blood to your head just being about Gavin Rue 538. And his mindscape. <laughs> I want the listeners to know that every time Gavin says mindscape, he points at his head <laughs> with both of his hands. <laughs> it's great, it's great. I mean... There's a reason I left the title of the album in the title of the film itself. Mm. I rushed the blood to the head. You can just search up what that is and, like, you can see, like, the connections. Yeah. Um, this might sound like a huge tangent, but it does fit with your question. But, like, before I joined the artist collective, sort of, like, for, like, the longest time, I felt like, an outsider of the community, like, I wasn't part of the LRAC, and I wasn't doing, like, all those quirk stuff everyone else was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I literally do art in area. I'm definitely, like, not part of the binary when it comes to that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm non-binary when it comes to line writer. <laughs> <laughs> that's why i sometimes call myself a line murder monster <laughs> it first started when rabbit was talking about the history of line murder and like slovenia i commented about like artists versus gamers i was like i don't fit into those two mm. and like how like artists use dot com and gamers use lra and artists like make emotional tracks and gamers do quirk tracks and like i use lra <laughs> i try to make art <laughs> how do i fit into this <laughs> i'm a monster <laughs> that's why like if you like look at my twitter profile you can see self-proclaimed wine art monster <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like seeing like both sides of the community the gamers and the artists and like being like part of both while at the same time being part of neither of them mm-hmm. gives me like a perspective of like seeing like these tracks and like different genre styles and like why people make them like I don't know it just feels like it feels too divided mm-hmm. <laughs> like it felt divided but like now it's like converging but like back then like it felt divided and just feels like I'm in the middle of it. Like, literally. Like, gamers, artists, me. <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> but because of, like, seeing all these perspectives and, like, seeing, like, the divided community, it just makes me feel like talking about my own feelings about, like, the divide. And, like, it comes back to, like, Wanting to subvert tropes of line writer, like seeing like these trends and like the artists tends to do like flat flood and like the gamers do quirk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I showed that in is is it like bits of like a rush of blood in the head, right? So like, I feel like being an outsider, but also like witnessing like a lot of the community divide. I feel like it was good for me, like, to give out my own outsider perspective on things, being part of the community for quite a while, but at the same time, not feeling like I'm in the community. Mm-hmm. Just feel like I wanted to, like, talk about my own perspective on the line runner community, like, even back then, with some of my older tracks. Right. So... How do you feel about A Rush of Blood to the Head now that it's out in the world? How do you make sense of it as a piece of art that you've actually made and finished? Well, 
I feel like it's a stepping stone of the art I do right now. Like, this is it was a stepping stone. Prospect Smarts was a stepping stone. Level of Concern is a stepping stone. It's a big stepping stone. I mean, it's 54 minutes. Of course it's big. <laughs> but, like, looking back, I am definitely proud that I got it out before my own deadline. <laughs> that surprised me. <laughs> but, like... I'm discovering more about things about myself. Those are also like stepping stones. Like, um, I think it's about time where I talk about like in the beginning of like April of this year, like reading more about like the problematic history of like the church that I was a part of mm. during the middle of the night. It, like hit me, and I like started like bawling my eyes out and I realized like I completely lost face towards the church feeling like betrayed and scared of like what will happen to me in the future with this feeling of no faith in a church that was part of for pretty much my whole life right and like hell um I guess that was a big stepping stone for, like, the stuff I make when it comes to, like, religion and stuff. I was making stuff about religion before, but it's more like questioning. Right. But afterwards, I would just, like, be in this betrayal and, like, sadness. And also just anger and hatred. Mm. A week after, like, pretty much stopped being, like, Christian and stuff. Yeah. And, like, I became agnostic, but right now I feel like I'm agnostic atheist. Right. I think that's what I'm feeling right now currently. But, like, yeah, I pretty much stopped praying to quote-unquote Heavenly Father, like, a week after losing my faith. Mm -hmm. I was still praying for, like, one week because it was a habit of mine to, like, pray before bed. Right. But, like, yeah, I pretty much stopped after thinking about, why am I still doing this? Why am I still praying? Mm. What's the point of, like, believing in stuff when I don't believe in my own church anymore? Like, why would God let me down this much if he's supposed to love us so much that's unimaginable? Why would he do this to me? Right. So, like, I stopped praying and I stopped believing in God and stop believing like Christianity. So yeah, it influenced a lot of my tracks after that. Starting with No Surprises. Right. I started No Surprises in like January. I had the idea of doing No Surprises during the making of my film. Mm -hmm. But like, I took great from working on it because my ideas weren't all that formed yet for the track. But after that faith loss, I started getting, like, a new perspective on, like, what I could do with no surprises. Right. I started working on it and, like, adding hidden Mormon symbolism. Mm. Like, when the lyrics said, bring down the government, I tried to show, like, one of the Mormon temples and boss just pouncing on it. It's all hidden and, like, the scribbles, but, like... I know that it exists when making it. Right. And, like, also showing the Portland, Oregon, Mormon temple when the lyrics showed up in, like, such a pretty house. Mm. Yeah. Playing all these hidden religious imagery in, like, my tracks. <sighs> yeah, like, just all this betrayal and stuff. Showing all that and, like, this sadness. But I didn't want to show that I didn't believe in the church because I was kind of nervous that my parents would find it. Right. I think the next track where I like, had a hidden religious meeting was at the door. Mm -hmm. like, I guess I did do like the emotions that I witnessed with the core community and like Beverly talked about it and their video essay for I can't write these lines without you where they talk about how like usually like 
the first tracks Quirkus you that show emotion was like talking about mental illness and your own experiences with it. Mm-hmm. I tried to like convey that in my track, like more apparent than like my own religious meaning of like wanting to leave the church and knowing that one day I'll make it out. And like over time, I became less afraid, hoping that my parents won't see the tracks that had like religious symbols. And like I started to be more explicit about my feelings of religion with first explicit one being like midnight. Right. Dealing with like faith in God that turned to fear over time. Right. During Make It, I said that I lost all faith in Christianity like faith in god i guess i like learned the perspective during that limbo period of like 2021 to early 22 before it hit me that i lost my faith so like in the perspective of myself still like thinking that there might be a god but just not actually knowing right i mean to quote the lyrics, where the hell are you hiding? <laughs> right. <laughs> Going back to the question, like, these experience, like, a ton of stepping stones, like, a rush of blood to have was a huge one, along with, like, religion. And then, um, learning about politics, research, Regner, and, I guess, news with topics like how society especially Christian population views, like, sexuality. Right, yeah. What do you hope for from the future, both in terms of Line Rider and in terms of your life and the world? Well, for a Line Rider, I just hope that people will be, like, less afraid of, like, experimenting with stuff in Line Rider, like, showing their own emotions about things. Even if it might not look that good at first, don't be afraid about doing it. Right. I mean, it's kind of pain in this direction already, but I just hope that more people will be, like, less afraid of, like, wanting to show their, like, own emotions. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, the main thing you do. Just don't be afraid of, like, doing it if you want to do it. Yeah. Stuff like Ray, <laughs> like before Ray's output, I know that Insifer was like very anti flash led, quirk elitist. No offense to Insifer, like <laughs> you're, you're awesome right now, but like I do love how they became like not afraid of like putting your emotions through tracks, even if it had to be on a different channel. Ray is a, a great example. We need more of that. <laughs> yeah. Don't be afraid, kids <laughs> and adults. What are you hoping for? For like my own life in general? Yeah, let's go there. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, um yeah. Um, mostly I just like want to be out of transfer out of B O U I. And like Resign from the Mormon Church. Yeah, I'm hoping to do that after the semester that that's going on right now, and hopefully before like April, when the next semester starts for me. Right. I just hope that I can finally stop being technically Mormon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And be. Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like actual Gavin, not Mormon version of Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> that was like before like learning all these things, you know. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I just hope I learn about myself more and more. Like I'm still like discovering my things about me still to this day. Like hopefully I just learn more and more as I be in, like, a more safer environment. Yeah. I mean, like, live the life I want to live and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I guess I'm not exactly sure, like, 
my sort of job, or like if I'm gonna have a wife or like even kids. Mm. I mean, the Mormon Church expect their members to like have a family, right? With Jeez. like a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like looking back, like. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. I mean, it would be cool to have, like, a wife and my own kids that I can, like, teach about, like, the stuff I learned, but, like, it is some work. <laughs> yeah. I do know about that. Yeah. And at the very least, you definitely are not going to want a Mormon family. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't want a Mormon's family. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not the most social person, so I'm not the best at, like, Winning a girlfriend, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> not the best phrasing, but no, whatever. It's not, it's, not, it's not great phrasing. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I don't want to be like a goal of like winning. Right, right. All right, moving on, moving on. <laughs> you're just saying it's hard to, especially when you're sort of stuck in, a, in the environment that you're stuck in, it can be hard to find someone you connect to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think maybe this is where we end it, unless you have any or other thoughts. I mean, don't be afraid to pause on my tracks. There are a lot of hidden stuff that I put into there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you haven't ever, I would definitely recommend you just like pause and look around on Gavin's tracks. He hides shit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll let people start the race of fine all the hidden stuff, and at the door. There's this little tiny edit in post-production. Whoa. I mean, besides the ending, where it's obvious, there's, like, another post-production scene, like, try to find it. Go! Well, you heard it here first, folks. There's a hidden message in at the door involving post-production. Well, it's not... It's less of a message and just more of a tiny thing I just wanted to do, just because I feel like it. <laughs> Regardless... Here at Outside the Lines, we have some hard-hitting journalism. There are secrets hidden in Gavin's tracks. All right. <laughs> Gavin, thank you for coming on to the podcast. It was great having you. I wish you all the best with your life. Thank you. All your endeavors. And I hope you get out of that fucking church. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck the Mormon church. The official stance of Outside the Lines podcast is fuck the Mormon church. Woo! Yeah! Anti-religion. Anti-religion. <laughs> Don't worry if you're like Christian but not like pushy about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I don't want to be not inclusive but also I don't like that cult shit. Not into that cult shit. Alright. <laughs> yeah, we know what we're talking about.